Welcome to the Luminous Life Podcast. My name is Lori Marie, and I'm a spiritual teacher, certified fearless living coach, healer, soon to be Vita grad for trauma-informed somatic love, sex, and relationship coaching, artist, and psychic medium. All the things <laughs> for sensitive souls who want to discover their gifts, claim their confidence, own their worth, make an impact in the world, and become the powerful creator you're meant to be. I absolutely love helping you up-level your life, claim your desires, and help you see the infinite potential that lies within you. It is my mission and passion to give you the tools, teachings, resources, strategies, and support you need to create the life of your dreams and to live a luminously, divinely guided life. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of personal development to maximize your influence, your impact, and your life. If you're ready to be lit up by life, own your awesome, and up-level your life, then you've come to the right place. It's time to become epically free and unapologetically you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if something resonates, be sure to tag us on social media at Lori Marie Loves and rate the podcast. It helps us out a great deal, and I so, so appreciate it. So, let's get started. Good morning. I am currently recording. It is 11.11 this morning in Tucson and it is sunny. The sun is shining. It is warm. It feels so good. And it's January. (laughs) Um, I woke up this morning just feeling this inspiration, this urge to get out and take a walk. And it was chilly outside, but it felt so good to do so. And I ended up walking down to the local Sprouts and getting a gallon of water. I'm really wanting to take in more water. Uh, I've noticed being in the desert, one, I need a lot more. And secondly, I've also had a habit of, um, since I've been here, of not drinking as much as I normally would. um, Or that I have in other places, which is really interesting. Um, I think because the tap water here is not great, um, we have to go get uh, drums of water, like big, you know, five-gallon drums. And so I think I've just, I don't know, there's, (laughs) I've noticed, I've been observing just like this part of me that feels like, oh, we don't have enough water, so like ration it, right? Which is silly. But um, so I decided to go get a, actual gallon jug and make that my goal to drink one of those every day so at least I'm drinking a gallon of water every day and I thought what a fun way to to do that and as part of that um on my walk I started listening to this great book um called The Mountain Is You by Brianna West and it really inspired me to create this podcast for you today So that's what we're talking about today. I'm going to be referencing some of the things that she said in this book, as well as um, my own thoughts and ideas on this and my own experiences of um, self-sabotage, because that's really what it is. And I wanted to talk about uh, really overcoming self-sabotage and also bring um, to light some of the things that she mentioned that I never really thought of as self-sabotage, but now... Uh, after, you know, listening to the book, um, really recognizing it and seeing in my own journey 
where this has kind of played out. So I thought this would be a really good juicy topic to talk about today. Overcoming self-sabotage. So let's get into it. Your mountain is the block between you and the life you want to live. Facing it is the only path to your freedom and becoming. Brianna West, you are from You Are the Mountain. This was a quote that I took away from um, this book, which I found really, um, I've I've found to be very true. I myself have um, had many mountains to climb, and the only way that I've ever been able to really um, get to the other side is by actually facing it, by dealing with it. And this has come up in so many different areas of my life, <clears throat> from body to money to relationships to um, uh, just so many areas <laughs> like that I'm not going to get into all of that right now. But I really wanted to first start off by talking about what self-sabotage really is, um, which at the end of the day, it's a protection mechanism. That's really outdated, but it's there to keep you safe. It's just another way that fear shows up and there's intricacies to it. There's um, very, you have to remember when it comes to fear, when it comes to um, our inner protectors, there are, um, they are just as smart as us. They're just as capable as us. They're just as educated as us. They're just as um, fierce (laughs) as us. And sometimes it feels like even more so. But the truth is, you're always in control. And there's a part of you that always knows what to do and knows the way and knows that you can move beyond um, any obstacles that are, that are there, that are on your path. Um, but self-sabotage, you know, it's really these unconscious parts of ourselves um, trying to keep us safe, trying to keep us protected. And a lot of times these parts of us were developed over time and developed through childhood and through um, our upbringing and through society expectations and things like that. And so over time, these things build and build and we kind of settle into these um, protectors, if you will. We settle into these ways of being And if we're not conscious to how these things show up, it can really, um, it can really wreak some havoc, right? And we can sit there and wonder like, why am I still in the same place? Or why haven't I moved beyond this? Or why haven't, you know, we can go into a lot of questioning of like, why? Why are we the way we are? Why do we do the things we do, et cetera, et cetera? Why can we never finish anything? You know, like we can really start to then beat ourselves up, which can become very damaging. And so I think it's important to first recognize that self-sabotage is, in fact, your inner protectors, right? And I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it (laughs) till the cows come home, but we have these different versions of ourselves that are still operating um, at the same level, the same, um, 
you can think of it as the visual that comes to mind for me is kind of like a computer, right? You get a computer and over the years, like it starts to over time, maybe five years in, 10 years in, it starts to run a lot slower. It starts to maybe not work as well. Maybe there's bugs that start popping up or little quirks that it has, right? And at some point, the operating system no longer can hold what the new technology has available, right? So not that we are computers, but if you think about it kind of in this way, when we are children, we're not able to process and we're not able to sort out our emotions and our big feelings and we're not able to um, really understand what's happening and so we find ways to cope and we find ways to deal and some things are so big that we just can't deal with them at that time but these protectors kind of start to form ways coping strategies to help us deal (laughs) and then over time we become adults and these old ways of being, these old operating systems are still running their programming, but we have not yet upgraded our system, right? That little inner child within you does not know that the adult in you can handle it, right? And so we've got these new upgraded, elevated machines or computers that are us, right? We are now adults. We are now at you know different places in our journey. We have more knowledge, more wisdom, more understanding, but yet maybe we don't have tools to cope. Maybe we don't have, um, maybe we don't aren't aware that these things are still running in the background. And oftentimes that's the case. Oftentimes we have a lot of unconscious beliefs and unconscious ways of being that we are not um, awakened to at this moment, in the present moment. And so these inner children or these inner teenagers or these inner parts of us that used to cope in a certain way are still running that same program, even though it's outdated. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) But basically, it comes down to we are in these adult bodies, but we still have the coping strategies of younger versions of ourselves. And until we can become aware and awake to how these things show up, it can really um, it can really have us kind of spinning in our lives. And I'll give you some real life examples of this, how it's shown up in my life, particularly. So, for example, um, I remember after I had gained the 100 pounds after experiencing um, sexual trauma, I had, um, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know my body was protecting me at that time, right? I was like 23. I didn't know my body was protecting me. I didn't know that my binge eating was a response to what I had experienced emotionally that I was not dealing with, right? I didn't know any of that. 
at the time. Now it's so clear to me, right? Because I'm awake to all of this. But like back then, I didn't realize that my eating, I knew I was like an emotional eater, right? I knew that I had a tendency to, if things felt stressful or things felt um, challenging or hard, that I would go to food as a comfort, right? That was a, a learned behavior and a behavior that I um, adopted over time as I grew up, right? But I didn't realize that the binging episodes that I was going into was a result of me not feeling my feelings, was a result of the trauma I had experienced. Instead, where I was at at that time, I looked at it as my body is betraying me. I am um, not happy with the body I have. And I really beat myself up and put myself down and had a lot of self-deprecation. And I used humor as a way to cope. And um, there were so many ways that I was really hard on myself. And I kept doing that over time, right? Thinking that somehow that if I was just hard enough on myself, that that would motivate me. But that I know now like clearly does not work like the only way to really um heal is to meet yourself with compassion and love and acceptance and so I didn't know any of that at that time so these cycles would keep playing out and then I would beat myself up again right I would decide like okay now I'm going to lose weight now I'm going to really take control right and I would start strong, and then have like one goof up, right? I'd look at it as like, I messed it up, or I fucked it up. Um, And then instead of like, realizing like, oh, I can make a new choice. And at any moment, I would go on like a binge rampage. And I would go from like, fast food shop to fast food shop, collecting some of my favorites, right? And then I would just sit there and I would eat all of it. And then I would, you know, in the moment, it felt good. It felt like, yeah, this is, like, so comforting. This is, like, whatever, right? In that moment, it felt good. But afterwards, I'd feel awful. Not only I wouldn't feel good because of the food I was eating, but I also didn't feel good because of what I was doing to myself and then how I was beating myself up after. So it was this constant cycle of... um, of in some ways self-sabotage and looking back now too I understand that like oh carrying the excess weight was my way of protecting myself from um, getting the attention of men right and so it all is so clear to me now but back then I didn't know what was happening so oftentimes we go into these self-sabotage self-sabotaging cycles and we don't even realize that it's happening some things we may be aware of right um like I I knew my pattern of like oh well if I messed it up I'm just gonna go all in and I'm just gonna like eat all the things right and I didn't just look at it as like oh this was one you know hiccup in the road I looked at it as or one bump in the road um but I looked at it as like oh I fucked it up. I can't do this. 
And then I'd go on like a streak of like a few weeks or a few months or a few days or a few years sometimes and continue that cycle, right? Because I wasn't aware of all the unconscious beliefs, feelings, emotions, trauma that I was not dealing with or not, um, that I just didn't have an awareness of, right? And so that was one way that self-sabotage would show up for me, especially during that, that time period. Um, another way that self-sabotage can show up, which I love that she brought up because I never really thought about this. Um, she brings this up in the book and she calls it uprooting. So it's constantly needing like a fresh start. It's like, you know, redoing your website a thousand times before actually like going out and getting clients or nurturing the clients that you already have. It's like starting relationships over and over again or changing jobs all the time or moving all the time. (laughs) When I read that, I was, or when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I have probably moved. I don't know. I've lost track of how many times now. I know back when I, before I went to California, I was at like 25 moves, right? Like I had moved 25 times at that point. And that was like six years ago. And so, and don't get me wrong. I do have a love for travel and I have a love for adventure and I love changing up the energy. And I think that's just part of like who I am. And I feel like part of um, that part of me will always be there. But I can definitely see how I was constantly uprooting my life, right? It was like um, this feeling of, she talked about it in this way of like, you're never really allowing yourself to bloom. It's like, there's this feeling of like, ooh, I love the like sprouting. I love the like starting over. It's fun to, especially like I love like, getting into a new space and decorating and finding all the right pieces and all the, the things that feel really good, right, to create my space. But I never really thought about the fact that like, oh, I moved so many times in my life as uprooting. It's like I've never really given myself a chance to thrive fully because I'm moving all the time, right? And so... I remember, like, as I was hearing that, I I just thought of, like, all the times that I've moved, right? And I've done that, too, with my website, you know, that, that like, oh, I constantly need to, you know, shift this and change this and whatever. And don't get me wrong, it's important to pivot in business, like, but there's been times where I've done that or I've changed things and I haven't even tested out if it's worked, right? So, like, there's this sense of, like, when we are constantly uprooting our life, we're not really giving ourselves the chance or the opportunity to thrive, right? Because we're always at the starting over point. We're always at the sprouting point. Now, some people, um, uprooting could be a struggle. But for others, it could be a struggle that you never want to uproot anything or you never want anything to change. This too can be a way that self-sabotage shows up, right? Never wanting anything to change, always trying to control your situation, your environment, um, always trying to make sure that nothing 
um, is different, right? But the truth is, <laughs> the whole point of us being here is to grow, is to evolve, is to become more of who we're meant to become, is to um, learn and discover and um, learn how to navigate challenges. And so growth is important. It is important to get out of your comfort zone. Now, that doesn't mean you have to move 30 times in your life. That's definitely more towards that, that uprooting, uh, you know, way that self-sabotage can show up. It's, but you can also really get stuck in uh, your comfort zone. And never wanting anything to change. So I think it's important to discern between the two. And to also find that that happy balance for you. Right? It's not about denying. Like I'm not going to deny the fact that I love travel. And I love adventure. And I love feeling and experiencing um, different places. Different people. Different food. Different, you know, like all of that is very much important to me. But what I have come to recognize through all my travels and kind of uprooting so much as I have is it's also important for me to have a base, to have a nest where I can um, kind of venture out from and come back to and go out and come back and go out and come back. That's really important for me because there was a period of time uh, back in 2020, I started um, traveling and living out of my SUV for about four months. And while it was amazing and fun, like I just had this creative urge, right? I've talked about being a manifester and like these creative urges that I get. I had a creative urge to live rent-free for a year. And that's exactly what I did. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do it via traveling. Um, and originally the idea was to do it out of a SUV. And that's a whole, or I mean, not of a, out of an SUV, out of a, um, a vintage camper, which that's a whole nother story for another day. But um, for those of you who, who've been with me for a while, you, you know that story. <laughs> um, that was a really good lesson in uh Inspiration versus desperation, which gives me an idea. <laughs> I'll make it that another podcast. But um, my point being is that I had this creative urge to live rent-free for a year. And so I started traveling and um, I traveled out of my SUV for four months. And what I learned from that experience is that I need a nest <laughs> because it really wreaked havoc on my nervous system because of the constant like getting up, setting up, taking down, setting up, moving, you know, like in some cases we could stay um, set or settled um, for a week or a few weeks or some places we'd stay for a few days, but the constant like setting up, taking down, setting up, taking down. Like life on the road is, um, can be exciting, can be fun, but it can also really weigh heavily on the nervous system. And so for me, I found that I definitely need to have 
a space that's mine, that's beautiful, that I can come back to, and that I can venture out from, right? And I'm open to what that looks like, but um, I did learn through that experience that that's really important to me. So um, another way that self-sabotage can show up is judgment. Judgment of others, judgment of um, the way other people live, the way other people do things, the way other people um, express themselves. Judgment, one of the things she said in this book too that I really love is that she talked about how judgment is... Um, you know, really harmful and toxic. And I totally agree with that um, because what we judge in others then becomes a rule for ourselves. So whatever we make judgments about within other people, we are then telling ourselves over and over again that that's not okay to have, that's not okay to be that way, that's not okay to receive that, whatever it is, you're telling yourself because judgments are always a reflection of um, someone else or projections of what we want for ourselves or things we see in others that we have not yet uh, freed within ourselves. So anytime we have judgments of others or we gossip about others or we're um, participating in that kind of behavior, it can be really toxic because what we're doing is over time, we're building up this unconscious belief that we don't get to have that. We don't get to do that. We don't get to be that. We don't get to express that. We don't get to um, do any of that. So a real concrete example of this is like, let's say you want to really change your financial situation, but you have all this judgment about rich people and celebrities and Um, or the greediness of rich people, or you have all these ideas about what it means to be rich, or what it means for like a woman to have finances, or for a healer to make money for their gifts, or whatever it is, right? Whatever the judgment is, it's not only saying, I don't agree with what that person's doing, but I also don't get to do that for me either, And sometimes that comes from, it's funny, I I see judgment and envy as kind of a, judgment, envy, and jealousy kind of feel like a slippery slope that kind of all slides in with one another. It's like what we are envious or jealous of, we in fact want for ourselves. Um, Things we judge are in reflection of what we see in others that we either have not allowed for ourselves or we have not like there's been times in my life where I've judged I'm not (laughs) I'm not perfect believe it or not I have judged people right in my life and there's been times where I've judged people that are um very expressive very um open and creative in the way that they um, just be, right? Especially when it came to their sexuality. Um, I found that to be very triggering for me um, for different parts of my life because 
I had not yet reclaimed that for myself because I was not comfortable in my own sexuality, because I was not free in that area, I judged others in that area. So the places where we don't feel free, we judge other people because we see them and they're reflecting back to us what we do not have for ourselves. We're reflecting and seeing what they have or the way they're being or the way they're expressing and we have not yet freed ourselves in that area now you can sit here and say like oh well I don't want that I don't need that I don't want ever and sure maybe that's the case maybe that doesn't align with your values but there's something there to teach you judgment is there to teach you there's something there that is not being expressed within you or not being um freed within you if you have judgment one it's very human but it's an also a very egoic egoic um survival strategy there too it's another protection right but like it's important to just notice like where do I have judgment and what is it that I'm judging and do I feel free in that area right whether it's money sex sexuality relationship happiness, joy, whatever, right? Um, It's important to look at, like, how does judgment play a part in my life? And what am I, by judging this person, what am I not allowing or um, for myself, right? What rules am I creating for myself if I'm judging this person? So it's important to just practice non-judgment and assuming that you don't know the full story because really that's the truth we don't know the full story of what's going on with anybody and so the best practice is to practice non-judgment instead celebrate others right when you see someone really like lit up and shining and like winning right at life like celebrate them because that means that that's available for you too what we see in others that we are envious of or jealous of or that we want for ourselves is possible for us too. And so they're just reflecting back to you that that's something you can have as well. So I digress from the judgment. <laughs> um, other ways that self-sabotage can show up. Um, disorganization, like not being organized having you know a messy life a messy room a messy existence right like being disorganized you cannot imagine the amount of psychic weight that okay let me back up so let's talk psychometry for a minute psychometry is the reading of objects right if you have let's say you hand me your uh, great-grandmother's necklace, right? And I can read the energy off of that, right? I can give visuals and psychic information and downloads based on this one piece of jewelry, right? So psychometry is the reading of energy in objects. So if you think about that for a moment and think about all the objects you have in your space, If your space is chaotic and cluttered 
and disorganized. Think of the psychic weight that is also hanging out in your space, in your room, especially if you like to thrift or you like to um, swap or get things secondhand. And I'm all about thrifting. I love thrifting. I'm, I love sustainability and, um, you know, secondhand is not a bad thing at all. No, no judgment there. Um, but I want you to think about like how much contact that one item has probably had with other people. That's why it's important to really cleanse your objects when you're bringing them into your home, especially if they're um, secondhand or you're buying them from a yard sale or a state sale or whatever. It's important to clear your space, right? But if you think about it, all of these objects are carrying energy. They have an energetic weight, a psychic weight to them. And if your home is chaotic and disorganized and things are everywhere and there's piles, that takes a tremendous toll on your energy throughout the day. And it's a way that we can self-sabotage because if we're constantly thinking about the piles of stuff on the floor or the, you know, the mess in the house, guess what that's keeping us from doing? Focusing on what we actually want to create. Focusing on creating our desires. Now, on the same, <laughs> same coin, <laughs> different side, you can look at that as a way of how we distract ourselves too, right? If you unconsciously know that there's messes, well, that gives you something else to focus on besides the thing that you're wanting to create. So it's important to notice like, how does disorganization weigh on you, right? It can make you feel overwhelmed. It can make you feel, um, you know, it can really distract you, especially um, for women. Like we're, <laughs> I like to think of men as single focused, right? They're like waffles. They've got their little boxes and so they've got a a house box, a family box, a sex box, a work box, or whatever. You know, they have all these individual boxes. They even have a nothing box. Yes, it's true. And for women, we're like spaghetti. And so the spaghetti, one thought can lead to the next, to the next, to the next. We can start talking about blow dryers and end up talking about, you know, what we're making for dinner. And my point being is, because we have diffused awareness, especially as women, these things call to us, they scream at us. And so it can be very hard to focus on creating your desires, creating what you want in your life, moving the needle forward if you're surrounded by chaos and mess. And so disorganization can be a way that we self-sabotage. So it's important to just start to become aware of some of these things, aware of how these things are showing up. How is being in a disorganized environment affecting you on a daily basis? How is being in a disorganized environment weighing on you, right? And taking it one step at a time because it can be overwhelming if your space is chaotic, right? So just taking it one step at a time, getting support where you can or where you need, need it, and really start to take steps towards creating more 
order in your life. This was something, especially in my 20s, I was kind of messy. I wasn't, it wasn't like dirty, right? But it was messy. Like I would have dishes in the sink, I would have, and I know now that it was very much tied to my emotional state because what's happening on our, within our inner world is being reflected in our outer world. And so when I started healing and the more I started doing my own personal development work and growth, I naturally started cleaning things up. And now, like, it is so imperative and important for me to live in a space that feels beautiful, that feels good energetically, that isn't chaotic and cluttered and full of stuff. It's really, really important for me to have, like, an organized space because I know how it affects me if I don't. It really affects my well-being. So it's part of... um, what really contributes to me being able to keep my energy clean and stay aligned. So having a space that's um, beautiful, having a space that's organized is so, so important for my existence. Um, I also like to really make sure I add things in my life that, you know, remind me of the beauty of the world so I like get flowers weekly so I have this right now I have this beautiful bouquet um of there's like tiny little roses and some eucalyptus and some baby's breath and I think these other ones are like I want to say is delphinia a real flower (laughs) I feel like I might be making that up basically it's a type of mum (laughs) I think I made up that last one. Not sure, but we'll just go with it. Anyway, it's beautiful. It's big, puffy, white, uh, like mum kind of flower. Anyway, um, and that's part of the the joy in going and picking out the flowers is part of the joy in the experience too. And then I bring them all home. I'll usually get like three or four packs of flowers from like Trader Joe's, I'll take them all apart and then I'll put the bouquets together and then I'll place them throughout my space. And it just feels so good. And so every morning I wake up and I see the flowers and I see my paintings I'm working on and I see things of beauty in my space. And every day I make sure to make my bed because it just feels so much better to like have a space, have a room to work in that isn't constantly pulling at me. So disorganization is another way that self-sabotage can really show up. So um, also limited uh, ability um, to process emotions. So meaning if you don't have a lot of tools to be able to work with and um, understand how you process or how your emotions show up and you don't have the tools necessary um, to be able to navigate that, which looks different for everyone and different tools will work for people, you know, some people and other tools will work for other people and there's no right or wrong. But if you don't have the tools you need to be able to process your emotions and deal with your emotions, it can make life really challenging and we can fall into these patterns and not understand what's happening. Why am I getting triggered? what's activated here, right? Because a lot of times our triggers, one of the things she said in the book that I really love 
is that your triggers, your triggers will show you your wound. Your wound will show you your path and your path will show you your destiny. And this is exactly what I've lived out this last decade of doing this personal uh, development and work and having my spiritual awakening. Every time I was triggered in the past, I had no idea, one, that I was even being triggered. I didn't have a language for it. And I didn't have the tools of how to deal with it, right? So like I think about as a teenager, like I was in a four-year relationship with my son's father. And I remember so many times he would just infuriate me and I'd get so mad. And um, there were times where I can't tell you how many times I threw my promise ring at him, which I don't promote violence, right? But like at that time, it was like I had these big emotions and I didn't know how to work with them. I didn't know how to navigate them. I didn't know how to process them. And so I would just react instead of respond, right? Instead of slowing down, regulating my nervous system and responding, I would just react. So I would just go off on him or I would cry or I would um, get really angry (laughs) or I would throw my promise ring at him, right? I was never violent beyond that, but, um, but you know, it's, that's not okay, right? Throwing things at someone is not okay. Um, so when we don't have the tools to, to process our emotions or to navigate them, and we don't understand how our own emotions work and how we process and who's at play, like I mentioned earlier, like these different younger parts of us are at play. They're trying to protect us. They're trying to keep us safe. When we don't understand that, we don't understand what's happening, we can act out in ways that aren't really aligned with who we truly are, right? And so it's important to start to learn and to start collecting tools in your toolbox um, to be able to process emotions. And we'll get into a little bit later in the episode, we'll get into uh, different ways you can start to overcome self-sabotage. But I think it's important to to recognize and to really give yourself some grace and some compassion. If you're someone that doesn't have a whole lot of tools in your toolbox, know that you can't really make change until you become aware of what even needs changing, right? What needs shifting, what um, what's really going on. And so really give yourself compassion and know that like you can develop a whole toolbox like I've got like at this point I don't have a toolbox I got a fucking garage right of like of tools that I can go to and access and use to help me process my own emotions and so it's really important to um, just wherever you are on your journey to have compassion and to understand that you don't know what you don't know until you know it And so until you become aware, first of all, awareness is 100% number one first thing, right? Like first step in any kind of change. Until you first become aware of how these things are showing up in your life, you can't change it. And so the very first step is awareness. And then beyond that, you have to start to learn different tools and strategies of how to, uh, how to, shift these patterns, these behaviors, these ways of being. And 
we'll, like I said, we'll get into that later, but I just really want to, to say that wherever you are is okay, right? So be gentle with yourself and don't beat yourself up for mistakes of the past because you didn't know, you weren't aware, you didn't have the tools. And so forgive yourself for the mistakes you've made because again, until you know what's happening, you can't change it. All right, welcome back. Now we're going to get into the gifts of self-sabotage and also how to overcome it. So yes, I said gifts. The gifts of self-sabotage. First of all, remember, self-sabotage is a way of protection. And when it comes to protection, oftentimes we protect what we care about. We protect what's precious to us. And so know that there's a part of you that really really wants you to not get hurt, to not experience pain, to not feel failure, to not feel rejected, to feel, to not feel like you don't belong. You know, there's so many things that these parts of us are trying to protect us from, but the truth is none of those things are really a threat at the end of the day. And so it's important to remember that another gift of self-sabotage is growth. Like we learn about how we show up. We learn about ourselves. We learn about what's keeping us from what we actually desire. And growth is a part of that. Self-sabotage is a part of that. And it's not something that has to be feared. It's not something that has to be... um, this awful thing. So remember to look at self-sabotage as this part of you that's just looking to protect you. And remember that through learning how to navigate it, you're growing, which is the whole point. (laughs) And so these are the gifts of self-sabotage. Now, self-sabotage just doesn't always feel good, right? It doesn't feel good to not get to where we want to be. It doesn't feel good to feel like we're holding ourselves back. But the beautiful thing about it is if you're the only thing getting in your own way, well, you're the exact person who can stop it, right? So there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing that you can't overcome there's nothing that can truly stop you but you so that's a really beautiful thing because when you become aware and you become empowered and you allow yourself to move through the challenges that you're being faced with you can get to the other side and that's the um That's the only thing I will say that is absolutely true is that the only way to get to where you want to be is to face the very thing that is in front of you, to face the very thing that you're wanting. There's a quote from this book that I really loved, and it's, your mountain is the block between you and the life you want to live. Facing it is the only path to your freedom and becoming. 
And this is so true. I've experienced this in my own life. And I see this in my clients' lives. And the only way to get what you truly desire, to live the life you really want to live, is to face the very thing that is standing in your way. Now, that can feel scary, right? Because again, fear is trying to keep us safe. Right? All these different protectors are trying to keep us safe. But at the end of the day, you are bigger than your fears. And the more you become aware of how these protectors are trying to protect you, the more you can navigate it and move through it and move, and move beyond it. So it's <clears throat> noticing where the unconscious is meeting the conscious. So when you have an attachment to something, we want to protect it, right? If you have something that you want to, um, that's precious to you, that's important to you, if you're feeling attached to something, you're going to want to protect it, right? If you get yourself a new puppy, you're going to want to protect it. If you have a baby, you're going to want to protect it. If you have... Uh, uh, you know, if you meet your soulmate, (laughs) the love of your life, you want to protect it. Like there are things that you want to protect because they are special, right? And so there's a part of you that is unconscious that is trying to protect something. So in order to overcome self-sabotage, you must, you must first become aware aware of what is it I'm, what is it this part of me, because it's not all of you, it's just a part of you. What is it that part of me is trying to protect? What am I trying to protect so deeply, right? So you want to make the unconscious conscious and get clear about what is it that part of you is protecting and why. Now the why isn't as important, but it can help you, help give you some understanding, It can help give you some understanding as to why you're doing what you're doing, right? Until I came to understand that the way trauma worked, the way I wasn't feeling my emotions, I wasn't feeling my feelings, until I really understood how I processed and how I was experiencing um, trauma and my emotions, I wasn't able to be conscious of them. Therefore, the actions I was taking, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me, therefore, the, the actions that I was taking, I was not conscious to. So when I talked earlier about, you know, I would get triggered or I'd get activated or I'd feel like I messed something up when it came to like my diet then I would go out and I would self-sabotage, right? And then the cycle would continue because then I would beat myself up and I'd put myself down and then I'd feel even worse about myself and then I'd go out and do it all over again. And so until I became aware and conscious of what was happening, I wasn't able to change it. So you must first become aware of what's happening. Second, you must make the unconscious conscious and get clear about what, what is it protecting, 
And if you want to go a step deeper, know why. Like, why does this part of you feel like it needs protecting? Thirdly, you need to feel your feelings around this. So allowing this part of you that is wanting to protect you to feel heard and felt. Now, this is, this is the really deep stuff, right? It's when you can really learn how to connect to the different parts of you that are wanting to be witnessed, wanting to be seen, wanting to be felt, and then allowing them to, be, to have a seat at the table, to be heard, to be felt. But they don't get to run the show. They don't get to be in the driver's seat of your life. And then fourth, you want to get clear on what is it you actually want, right? If it's like, okay, I know I don't want to um, emotionally eat. I know I don't want to stress eat. I know I don't want to binge eat, right? If, if I don't want to do that, what do I want, right? It's getting clear on what do you want. And then lastly, you want to take action steps in the direction of your desires. You want to start to look at what is one step I can take towards what I actually want? So you want to start catching yourself when you start to go into these places of self-sabotage. You want to start noticing when that pattern's coming up. And once you start to become aware, you're going to start to see how your patterns are acting out. So <clears throat> these are the five steps to take to overcome self-sabotage. I'll repeat them again. So first step, awareness. Second step, become conscious, become aware of your unconscious behaviors and patterns and get clear on what they're trying to protect and why. Thirdly, you want to feel your feelings around it. You want to allow this part of you to be heard and felt. You want to get clear on what it is that you really want and desire. And lastly, you want to start taking action in the step of your the directions of your desire. Now, you could take this a step further if you want. You can look at your life as a whole and you can start to break down different areas of your life. What, what in your life do you want to change? What in your life are you not happy with or satisfied with? And <clears throat> start to take a look at is there any area of your life where you're finding that you're kind of repeating old patterns or things feel cyclical, like, oh, this happens all the time or this happens more than I'd like? Like, start to take a look at some of these areas and you'll start to notice maybe some patterns. What are the common threads, right? When you're you know, are you wanting to start a business, but you keep finding excuses why you can't or why you shouldn't, right? Are you falling into perfectionism, right? Are you, <clears throat> are you, um, you know, really wanting to find love, but yet you're not willing to put yourself out there? Like, where in your life are you wanting to make change? And you're not, <clears throat> and you're, you're finding yourself kind of spinning your wheels. That's an important, um, practice to try, right? To kind of start to take a look at the different areas of your life and start to notice like, where do I feel like I'm, I'm kind of having a Groundhog's Day moment where I keep waking up and, and feeling the same way over and over and over again, right? So that could be a really great exercise to start. And then <clears throat> I also want to say that with all of this, the most important thing 
one of the most important things is to really meet yourself with love and compassion and to know that none of this is your fault. None of this is means you are bad or wrong. None of this means that there's something wrong with you. It just means there's a part of you that's wanting to be safe, wanting to feel protected, wanting to feel like, um, wanting to keep you in a place of safety and comfort, right? But as we've talked in the past, or you may have heard me talk about before, staying in your comfort zone is not always comfortable either, right? Staying in your comfort zone is not where you want to stay or be. You want to experience growth. That's the whole point of being a soul having a human experience is growth. And so the areas you feel resistant, the areas you feel challenged, the areas that when life comes in and kind of pushes you along, it's because you're being asked to grow. It's not because you're accursed. It's not because there's something wrong with you. It is not because you're doing anything wrong. It's just because you're being called to grow. And so we can either grow willfully (laughs) on our own and choose to grow, or we can grow by force. I personally choose to grow uh, willingly because I've done the growth through force. It's not fun. (laughs) And it's a whole lot more suffering. So one, self-acceptance, love, compassion is really important to bring when you're doing any kind of growth work. And then the other thing is radical responsibility and accountability. Oftentimes we look towards uh, to others or look for things outside of ourselves to really make change in our world and in our lives. We kind of sit around and hope that someday someone will save us, but the truth is you are the only one that can save yourself. There will be people the universe will send along the way to support you, to give you guidance, to <clears throat> encourage you, right? You will be drawn to the right people, the right teachers, the right mentors, the right coaches, the right support. But at the end of the day, no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to rescue you. You have to be your own best friend. You have to be your own savior. And so the more you can take responsibility and accountability and really Truthfully, the biggest thing you have to do is stop pretending and stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself that something else is going to come in to save you, that someone else is going to come in and try and fix fix it and fix you, that by finding a partner, they're going to fix everything for you and you will be rescued. Like, no one is coming to rescue you. You must rescue yourself. This was a lesson I had to learn. I was um, at times hoping that, well, maybe if I just find the right partner, then, you know, everything will be great and everything will be fine. And then I can be happy. And, you know, I had different times of, you know, seeking out different things from sources outside of myself to feel like, uh, to feel like I was going to be okay. But really, I had to learn how to be okay within me. I had to be the one to rescue myself. 
I had to be the one to do the work, to look at these patterns, to look at these unconscious beliefs, to look at these um, parts of myself that were protecting me, right? I had to look at where have I been self-sabotaging? Where have I been self-protecting? Where have I been um, not, where have I been playing small? Where have I not been allowing myself to grow? What have I been holding on to? What have I been not willing to let go of for the sake of my own growth, right? I had to really be honest and I continue to have to be honest (laughs) with all of it because again, I'm the only one that can change my life. Nobody else is going to do that for me. Nobody else can do that for me. And the same is true for you. So I hope you found this episode helpful Know, again, that self-sabotage is not a bad thing. It's just a protection thing. And it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't have to stop you from everything you dream and desire. It's just something to become aware of, to shift, to allow yourself to feel, to allow yourself to get clear on what you want, and then to start taking action in the desire, in the direction of, of what you desire. And that is powerful. The fact that the very thing that's stopping you is you is so powerful because that means you absolutely have everything in your power to change it. Okay, that's it for now. I hope you have a gorgeous day. Keep growing and glowing. And if you need additional support, you want to have a safe space to share, to learn to grow in, come join us in the Luminous Life community or reach out, apply to work with me. I would love to support you in bringing the unconscious to the conscious and to help you create what you desire. So until next time, I will see you soon. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to leave us a review, share with a friend, or take us on social media at Lori Marie Loves and let me know what was your biggest takeaway, what stood out to you from today's episode. I'd love to hear from you and have a gorgeous day.